Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's 930 in 716. The State of the Union. Americans are dreamers too. Did he unify? And yes, I think he, he did some things that reached across the middle and, and maybe uh, earned a little support from swing voters. I don't think he fully understands the impact of some of the words he says on the other side. I'm Tim Wenger on the podcast powered by the Brothers of Mercy, a five-star rated skilled nursing residence offering affordable living in a country setting. President Donald Trump using his first official State of the Union address to highlight a strong economy and the tax overhaul he signed late last year. Addressing a deeply divided Congress and nation, the president also appealed for unity, challenging lawmakers to tackle immigration policies as he redoubled his recent pledge to offer a path to citizenship for 1.8 million young immigrants. I think the president uh, reinforced his base. Political analyst Alex Castellanos spending time with Susan Rose on WBEN. Trump supporters saw a lot to like in there. And yes, I think he, he did some things that reached across the middle and, and maybe uh, earned a little support from swing voters, specifically his immigration deal. Donald Trump said, look, Republicans will let the dreamers stay if you give us border security and chain migration and the visa lottery. And that deal is popular with the American people. All right. You know, we saw, I mean, if you look at some of the optics last night, um, the women in black uh, with Democrats were sitting on their hands. You know, uh, do you see some of these resistors getting on board? Well, uh, it's going to be tough. But yes, the resistors have to come on board a little bit. Chuck Schumer has 10 Democrats running in red Republican states that want to get reelected in 2018. And he doesn't want those Democrats to get the blame for shutting down the government or for turning down a good deal that the American people want. So, yes, Donald Trump, uh, the heat's on the Democrat. Donald Trump, uh, I think, has put a little pressure on them. Yeah, and, uh, and infrastructure, when that came up last night, a Democratic congressman from the Buffalo area said, yes, in that regard, he said he thought that there was an olive branch. I guess, is is any movement good movement? At this point, the president's got a little momentum with his tax deal. He might get a little something done on infrastructure and on immigration. So, yes, uh, Washington may be thawing a little bit here as we get closer to spring. And you're right, the uh, uh, the speech last night also wasn't just about policy. The president had people in it, inspiring stories of, of people who in other parts of the world who love freedom and fought for it. Americans here who'd overcome great challenges in this great country. That's the kind of thing that can unite people. Was it too long, though? Longer than train smoke. Way too long. Uh, you know, politicians uh, find it hard not to keep talking about how wonderful they are. So, yes, it could have been a little shorter, 
But overall, when you compare the president's performance to grumpy Democrats sitting on their hands, even when the president talked about the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, the saluting the flag and economic growth, it was a win for the president. All right, let me switch up and ask you about the secret memo that's in the president's hands. He has now four days to decide. A lot of people expect that he will release this. Mm-hmm. What is the big deal? Why are Democrats so worried about this? Well, that's an interesting question, uh, because if there's uh, usually Democrats are for transparency, are for getting the, the facts out there, and Republicans, I think, are committed to doing this in a way that protects classified information, but also informs the American people that, look, some of our government has been politicized. We shouldn't be using the FBI and Justice Department to target political adversaries. If something like that was done, the American people need to know. I think that's another one where Republicans are on the side of public opinion. And you think the speech, or the, the memo will be released? I think uh, it's uh, the clock is ticking. Of course, it'll be released. And by the way, the Democrat counter memo uh, also has been released to other Democrats first and soon will be released publicly. So Americans are going to hear both sides. But not everyone is convinced, of course. And imagine you're a Washington political analyst and you get that call, a call from inside the White House asking for a one-on-one meeting in the Oval Office with the president on the day of the State of the Union address. It happened. They reached out. The White House reached out yesterday morning. Matthew Dowd is a political analyst and apparently insider for ABC News. And asked if I would be uh, open to coming over to the White House yesterday afternoon uh, around 3 o'clock. I said, sure, he's the president. Um, And as you know, at times I've been critical of him and and things he's done. And uh, so I uh, met with a member of his staff first, and then they brought me into the Oval. And it was the president and I, and we talked for 15 or 20 minutes in the Oval Office. Was it just the two of you in the Oval Office? It was he and I, and then the senior staff person was was there sitting to the side who didn't say anything. It was just me across from the president, him at the Resolute desk. Wow. Um, I had heard yesterday uh, that there was a, a lunch where they invite a number of reporters in to talk about the State of the Union speech, but this was separate. Yeah, this was one-on-one. Yeah, they had a big meeting of all of the network. I think there was 20 or 22 people at that. The president gathered them around, had lunch with them. But, yeah, this was a one, basically a one-on-one meeting. He was very polite very respectful, as as I was, being the president, being in the Oval Office. And then, you know, I offered him some of my perspective on the divides in the country and and the necessity of him helping to unify and heal the country. Do you think the president is sincere in his call for unity and bipartisanship? I actually do think he's sincere. I think he, just in my conversation, and uh, I think he believes that that's what he's doing. I think in practice, I think it's it's become difficult for him. And I think much of the things he says, I don't think he fully understands the impact of some of the words he says on the other side. And I think you could tell that in that speech last night. As I said, I, I encouraged him to be healing and unifying. And if he had, t- had called me in for a meeting last night <clears throat> after the speech, I would have said, well, I think that's a speech on how not to be, not some of those words. He did use some. He, it's obviously it was in some but I think he's got a big job ahead, and he's going to have to really reach to the other side. Do you think he could have done something different last night? Uh, yeah. I, first of all, I think the speech should have been shorter. I think the shorter speeches are always better, uh, as, as you probably are aware, in any day in life, it's a shorter speech is better. And I also think he didn't have to touch on some of the hot-button issues that he 
probably or his staff should have known would cause the Democrats to be incensed. There's no point poking the bear. And I think those instances, there was no really need for them. He could have eliminated them. And I think the speech would have come across as much more unifying. The uh, the secret memo that's all the buzz in Washington and when it will be released, is that kind of like the next shoe to drop here when you talk about the toxic atmosphere between Republicans and Democrats? Yeah, it seems like this is like Imelda Marcos's closet where there's a number of shoes that uh, that keep falling and, and where we don't know exactly where it's going. So, but I think the next conversation, and we probably won't even be by this evening or tomorrow, we'll probably be talking about something else, and it's probably likely to be the memo. Uh, that is going, it sounds like to me, it's going to be released either this week or early next week, but we'll see. And then there's the question of the Democratic memo, which is, again, of course, we're in these battling memos, just we are in the battle that we are in in Washington, D.C. It's really unfortunate we're in this trench warfare. And finally, with the State of the Union on the books, a look back at the year, some perspective from a voter's perspective. Gloria Rivera taking you to a steel town in western Pennsylvania, a longtime Democratic stronghold that voted Trump in 2016. So one year later, how do they feel about the choice they made? 30 miles south of Pittsburgh, Manesson, Pennsylvania was a bustling steel town, once home of the Wheeling Pittsburgh Mill. In its heyday, it employed over 2,000 workers. John Gollum was one of them. I've been a steel worker for three and a half decades. It was quite dangerous. Making iron is quite a process. He's here where the mill once was for the first time in years. It's now a factory called Illumisource, a recycling center. We really had high hopes that, oh boy, this is going to be a lifelong job for us. Of course, that was not to be. In 1986, the mill shut its doors as the steel industry collapsed. Thousands, including John, lost their jobs. It's overwhelming. i got to tell you, it's overwhelming. They promised that this would be the beginning. Everyone had high hopes. Everyone. Steel's not just a job for you. No, it was my way of life. I supported my dear children. Proudly. Very proudly. I was very proud to be a Pittsburgh steel worker. I still am. I can see my memories are never going to leave now. After 30 years, it all came back to me. Part of me's gone. Part of me's gone. These are the struggles in a shuttered steel town, a place we've been following since 2016. Ever since then, candidate Donald Trump came to town to this very factory. We are going to put American steel and aluminum back in to the backbone of our country. This alone will create massive numbers of jobs. John, a lifelong Democrat, heard that speech, and he felt something he hadn't in a very long time. Hope. I voted Republican because Donald Trump took his time to come to Manesson, and what he said is what I wanted to hear. This county is one of Pennsylvania's Democratic strongholds, but in November 2016, it went red. I believe he does care about America's middle class and the poor. Trump's promise to Manesson echoes so many others made on the campaign trail. American hands will rebuild this nation. Believe me, folks, we're building the wall. Believe me. We're going to put our miners back to work. But in the years since, that hope life would get better, at least here, is fading. In 1973, the United States produced 151 million tons of raw steel. By 2015, that had fallen to 87 million. American workers replaced by automation. Now the U.S. is the number one importer of steel worldwide. 
When you drive through Manesson, it's hard to imagine what it once was. That weighs heavily on Mayor Lou Mavrakis. We have 24, 25,000 still working jobs lost just from this valley right here. What a shame. Lou, who was a steelworker union rep before mayor, says Trump's vow to bring steel back is nothing more than a politician's empty promise. It's impossible for him to bring back the steel industry to that degree ever again. No, it won't happen. You can produce the same amount of steel now with 400 employees. Towns like Manessin now left barren, blighted. These people live in a third world country. Building after building abandoned, decrepit. With Trump in the White House, his Manessin supporters took heart when he announced an investigation into steel imports costing American jobs. From now on, we're going to stand up for American jobs workers, their security, and for American steel companies. But nothing has changed here. No new steel jobs. Eight months later, we find John's had a change of heart. John, last time you guys spoke to us was April, I guess. Yes, it was. That was a long time ago. Just around Easter. Um, in that time, how has President Trump been doing? I'm disappointed. He's done nothing to try to save the American steel industry, and nothing, nothing has come to fruition. Nothing. I, I don't have any optimism. Not now. Have there been any positives in his first year? There was a coal mine that uh, he helped to get reopened uh, in Pennsylvania. And I thought that was a little glimmer of, of a possible rebound. But uh, I've not heard anything since. What really hurts me is when he comes up on the podium and he'll make a statement. I'm the president and they're not. As if it was nothing but a game to him. I'm just disgusted with his demeanor. Communities like Vanessa that built this country, you won your election because of the Rust Belt. Now, show these people that you mean what you said. In the time that's passed, Lou is no longer mayor, but he's still fighting for Manesson. From the president, Lou wants federal funding to rebuild. Make me your poster child. Give somebody in Ohio, Indiana, Michigan. Take the picture before, take the after. Make me your poster child. Then we can see what we can do with these communities that built this country. Because here, the steel may be disappearing. How you doing today? But that all-American dream to work hard, earning a good life, endures. Back tomorrow, everyone. That's 9.30 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.